0: Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens, one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right, and BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. We're going to get to Monday night's game. Okay, we're going to break down the Patriots and the Cardinals. We're going to talk about the injury situation that we see playing out at practice today. However. We are going to start this podcast with something that I thought we would never start this podcast with on this day. I got an email from Greg this morning, and uh, it's all about Bill Belichick. And, you know, before we get to what's happening behind the scenes in in, in Patriotsville, and we get to Bill Belichick and his future, whether or not uh, people should be concerned if you want Belichick to be in New England long term, Let's start with the other big story in Boston, Greg. I just want your quick thoughts on Xander Bogart's going to the Padres. This was reported last night. It's an 11-year deal worth $280 million. Just your quick thoughts before we get into Bill Belichick and whether or not he should be worrying about his future in New England.
2: My quick thoughts on Xander is that um, I think it's a travesty that it came to this. It never should have come to this with him. Um, they should have went above and beyond, uh, before last season to get him locked up. The price tag always goes up. Uh, once you get into a free agent year, especially for Scott Boras' client, the page, uh, the, the Red Sox had to know this, they do know it and they completely whiffed. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about this, Nick, and, and I'll be interested in your thoughts, um, look. Baseball doesn't have a salary cap. I mean, they have the, you know, luxury tax threshold or whatever, but it's not like football where you say, all right, well, we're just not, we can't do certain things, even though that is, of course, uh, for debate. And I understand some of the debate about it. But at the end of the day, there is a limit that you can do with, with in football to build a, a competitive team year in and year out, as you were seeing with the Rams this year it's different in baseball. There's no, there's no salary cap. And when you're a team that prints money, like the Red Sox, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, um, you know, there really shouldn't be a budget, especially when it comes to your players that have grown up in your system, who have proven that they can play in Boston and be successful. I can't think in Nick, maybe you might have some names, but I can't think of a guy who, either was homegrown here or played here um, early in their career that the Patriots, uh, I keep saying the Patriots, but the Red Sox (laughs) overpaid and lost on, I mean, you know, I I think all the mistakes that they've really made, the Sandovals, the Crawfords, you know, those guys, you know, they overpay for these guys from the outside, but they don't know how they're going to fare in this pressure cooker in Boston. And, you know, I just think that with no salary cap and knowing that, you know, a guy like Xander Bogars, who came up in your system, wanted to be here, flourished here, was one of your ambassadors, the faces of the franchise. I'll never understand how you can lose that guy to another team. It should never get to that point. And I just think it's it's ridiculous. I don't really care what the Red Sox do now, whoever they sign, Correa, whoever, you know, it doesn't really matter to me because there's the first Mookie. Now Xander, Devers is probably next. It's just like, what the hell are they doing down there?
1: Complete and utter mismanagement. They should be embarrassed. It's shameful. There's too many. I know it's the minority. I believe it's the minority of Red Sox fans, but there still are too many people, uh, especially in the Twitter world, that are trying to defend this in some kind of way. And they're missing the point. The point is not whether... Xander just got a bananas contract from the San Diego Padres. Everybody would agree that giving an 11 year deal worth that much money to a guy who is 30 years old, it's going to burn you in the final four or five years of that contract. Most likely Uh, same thing with Trey Turner and the contract he signed with Dave Dombrowski in Philadelphia, an 11 year deal, $300 million for Turner. Turner is one year younger than Xander. It's not about the contract that Xander is agreeing to right now. It is what led to Xander agreeing to the contract that he's getting right now. It's the fact that this ownership group continues to fail and and continues to not acknowledge what they have screwed up in the past. They have been incapable of learning from their mistakes. John Lester, you lowballed him. He left. You overpaid David Price. Mookie Betts, you lowballed him. He ends up getting traded for a bag of baseballs pretty much, and hopefully Verdugo will be a decent player this season. And now you lowball Xander last year with this four-year, $90 million contract, which Scott Boris likely laughed and walked away from the table and said, you think that's going to get it done? And then you go out and you sign Trevor Story, who is maybe going to be Xander's replacement. And Xander actually helps recruit Trevor Story helps bring him to Boston, subjugates his ego, swallows his pride, and says, this guy that's playing alongside me all year long for this crap baseball team is making much more money than I'm making. And you circle back and you tell the fans when this season ends that Xander is your number one priority, that he is the guy that you're focused on first and foremost, and that yesterday we're getting all of these reports that they're close. They feel very confident. Oh, Chaim Bloom is smiling during his media session. Must mean he knows something. And then you find out that not only did Xander sign for the $280 million or is going to, but that the Red Sox did not even get to $200 million. And I know, look, six years, 160, it's the average annual value. I understand. I've been, I, I literally, when I was 12 years old, used to construct baseball rosters and hold my own off seasons. Yes, I was a nerd. I know all about AAV. I know all about luxury tax. I know all about the, the, the pick that they're going to get because Xander's going to end up and say, I don't care. I, the big picture is this. You have an ownership group that runs a team that is in a top 10 market that prints money. They bought the team for $660 million years ago. It is now worth over three and a half, close to $4 billion. It's one of the most valuable franchises in all of sports. And these guys can't get their head out of their ass. They can't figure out that paying your own, taking care of the guy before he gets to free agency is the way to do it. And when you let him get to free agency, guess what? He's going to get what the market says he should get. He's not going to get a deal on your terms, John Henry. And I'm not saying Bloom. This is John Henry. This is an ownership problem. It's gone through multiple general managers. It's the same owner. And when you lowball your guy, and you allow him to walk into free agency, guess what? You're going to get bit in the ass. And the fact that they did not learn from the John Lester debacle, and now we fast forward, and it's the same damn thing with the guy who should have the C on his jersey, he should have been locked up last offseason, is criminal. It's malpractice. It's ignorance. It's stupidity. And it's shameful. It's embarrassing. And John Henry should be embarrassed. That ownership group should be embarrassed. And I know I ranted on Tuesday. I promised I wouldn't rant today. But then this happened last night. And I'm telling you, like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. How an ownership group can c- continue to make the same mistakes over and, and I'll just end with this. I've been a Red Sox fan my entire life. My dad used to take me to, to McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket. I grew up on baseball. It was my first love. I played baseball. I played baseball through high school until the jackass coach cut me, um, giving me literally, you know, a, a one-hour tryout after I hit 500 AAU. Anyway, I digress. I loved baseball. So it was, it was my first love. Okay. And I, I, I love the Red Sox. Okay. I, I, I truly love the Red Sox and I wanted my entire life until 2004. I prayed and I hoped, and I dreamed of the Red Sox winning a world series. They won the world series in 2004. I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies at a bar that we used to hang out at, okay? And I remember that night like it was yesterday when they won that World Series and that chopper went back to Keith Folk and he underhanded it to Minkiewicz. I remember tackling my buddies, rolling around on the floor, going bananas. I remember the bartender jumping on the bar and pouring shots down my throat. I remember uh, just feeling like the world can end at that moment and, and I would be fine with it. That was John Henry's doing. This ownership group has won four World Series. Since 2004, it should tell you how badly they have mismanaged things, that there are fans out there that want him gone. Fans that did everything that they could to wish a World Series championship now have four of them, and John Henry has done such a bad job at certain aspects of the gig that fans just want him to sell the team. The guy who brought, who helped bring four championships to Boston, they now want him out. And it's because of the treatment of people. It's because of how he's done it. It's because of his inability to keep guys that are homegrown and want to be in Boston and love Boston and produce in Boston. And they continually spit in their face every single... They did it to Ortiz, going year to year with Ortiz. It's a joke. All right. Let's get to the uh, Patriots. So... I did not expect that we would be talking about this. And I know I just went on for about a good four or five minutes. Hopefully, people enjoyed. It. I will now give the floor to, to Greg Bedard to give us uh, some of what he's hearing about Bill Belichick. Very interesting, Greg. You've heard some chatter around the team, you've heard some chatter about Belichick's future. Fill the people in and give us your thoughts.
2: So, you know, it, it, just to give people a little bit of background, as you know, part of my normal duty, you know, especially you know, when things look a little bit dicey around the Patriots trying to figure out what's going on. And really the genesis of it was, you know, doing a column on, you know, how things have gone so poorly on offense and, you know, but also checking in like, Hey, you know, you know, what's going on? How's the, you know, how important is this game? Stuff like that. I I was just surprised and I'm, I'm not sure quite what to make out of it, and I'll sort of give you my prediction um, at the end here after our sort of rolling discussion about this, but the bottom line is this. In discussions with people this week, um, I have been surprised at the way they've spoken sort of about Belichick, his future, this game. It's not exactly what they're saying. It's sort of, you know, what they're not saying. Um, which has been sort of surprising to me. And I know that sounds confusing, but people just got to trust me on this. Uh, but the bottom line is this, that people around the team, including some very good sources of mine who have never steered me wrong, are have basically indicated that this Cardinals game on Monday night uh, with the Patriots going out for their West Coast swing is – among, if not the most important game of Belichick's career post Tom Brady, that wow, if the Patriots don't win this game, then I think there is a serious question about whether Belichick is the future head coach of this team. Now, I'm not telling you it's going to happen, and in fact, I think that I think that the Patriots will win on Monday night. I think they'll be competitive down the stretch, and I don't think it'll ever get to this point, but You know, I thought I think it's certainly worthy of discussion that um, this is almost a must win on Monday night against the Cardinals uh, as far as Belichick's concerned. And I think it's, you know, you look at it in in the team perspective that if they don't win this game and then they're staying in Arizona and practicing for the week and then they got to play Josh McDaniels and the Raiders on Thursday night. um, No, excuse me, Sunday. Um, I'm getting the, this this latest schedule is throwing me for a loop. It's like every <laughs> Thursday night, every night game they're playing. Um, but now it's moved to Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, things have a chance to go off the rails. And I so I think that uh Belichick needs a win here uh badly. And I think that he'll get it. But um and we talked about this in October, Nick. I wrote about it in October. Yep that Belichick had to get this thing back with the quarterback, especially back on the tracks for the rest of the season because the crafts were watching and they're still sort of in the same place at this moment. So a very interesting time for the Patriots. I did not expect to be talking about this. Um, again, I'm a little bit surprised that we are, but, uh, I think it's a worthwhile discussion at this point.
1: Well, obviously that's big. And uh, again, I did not anticipate we'd be having this conversation on this day before this particular game. Let me ask you, do you think Belichick is aware of this? Do you think he has an idea? Is this something that Robert Kraft would discuss with him? Or is this something that, you know, is more kind of ownership level, keeping an eye on him, and, and he might not know how close to the edge he might be? Uh,
2: I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. My guess, from knowing how things work uh, at one Patriot place, I would think that, Bel- number one, Belichick, of course, is extremely smart. So he 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 knows, he reads the tea leaves better than anybody in the room. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he's worried about just coaching his team. I don't think he's thinking about the future. I do think that he's he thinks he's earned enough, goodwill to continue here beyond this season. Um, you know, but I, I don't think there have been any discussions and Belichick's not the type of guy to really think about beyond just preparing his team uh for this week's game.
1: When we talked about it, I, I go back uh, several weeks ago, I think it was October, like you mentioned. You know, I had said at the time that if if this team wins only six games, if they finished six and eleven then everything's on the table, including Belichick's future. At that point, he's had you know more than enough time post Brady to figure things out. And if it, if it's at six and eleven, that bad, which I don't think it's going to be. I agree with you. Um, I think they'll fight, and I think they'll be around eight or nine wins, like I thought they would be before the season kicked off. But if it was six and eleven, then anything's on the table, and everything's on the table. And if it was seven wins uh, or, or more without a playoff visit, I would think that. Craft would would tell Belichick look man this this is your last shot right you you have to win a playoff game you've got to win in the playoffs to continue here because we're just not going to continue you know being what we've been post Brady let me ask you this Greg at this point after what we've seen this season and sitting at six and six now getting ready for the Cardinals do you think it's fair do you think it's justified that this game is as big as you've heard it could be for Belichick?" Um. I don't know if I have an opinion on this, but
2: let me just explain it this way. Um, To for in in my view, from talking to people, there's two big reasons why we're at this point now. Okay, from the ownership's perspective, um, you know, certainly Belichick did unbelievable things here uh, for a very long time. It's doing six Super Bowl titles, another three Super Bowl trips. I mean, it's just unbelievable success. during the salary cap era but look i mean this is a performance-based business and in ownership's mind i think and no one has told me this directly but i'm just you know giving you what i think reading the tea leaves from talking to people um two things number one belichick has taken if this season continues if they end up with a losing record this year which it looks like I would say the odds are decent, at least eight and nine, if not worse. That's why the Cardinals is a big swing game. I mean, if they win that game, then they're they're seven and six. Who knows what happens? If they lose, right. they're six and seven. And who knows? They could lose out and be, and be six and 11 or seven and 10. Three big L's. Brady out the door while he's still good enough to win a lot, including coming back the other night. Um, at the same the same week where the crafts head coach refused to go for it on fourth and six from his own forty-six yard line with twelve minutes <laughs> left in the game, down three down scores. Three <laughs> you you kick a field goal there, you, you get it, you kick a field goal there. At the least, you're in the same position that Brady was. About uh six minutes left, whatever, down two scores. And Brady's winning a football game, and the crafts head coach is is saying he's trying to stay in the game by punting down three scores with 12 minutes. Again, what I said the other day. That's a fireable offense to me. So Brady going out the door, um, being pushed out the door basically by Belichick. Uh, the crafts backing Belichick on that, backing the head coach. Now they've all lost on that. The spending crafts. 2020, okay, fine. A reset. We understand. Resetting the cap. All right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna hit it. 2021, huge expenditure for the crafts. You look at it now, two years out, not even close to the bang for the buck for, for everything that they did for this team. And then the third thing is the offense and Mac Jones. The the regression of Mac Jones solely because of the coaching choices that Bill Belichick made. You put together those three L's, and I think the crafts feel justified if things go poorly to pull the plug on Belichick. And the other factor to me, Nick, and I don't know how you feel about this. I think there and again, no one has told me this directly. I'm not reporting anything. I haven't talked to any of the candidate, what have you. But I think that timing might have something to do with this as well. Guys like Sean Payton. Billy O'Brien, Brian Flores, being available right now. All three, and there could be more, but I'm just talking off the top of my head, three viable candidates for this team. To get the team to another level, or at least succeed Belichick. If you're the Crafts, are you going to have another point in time where three candidates that you know that have certain talents that you feel comfortable with? Of course, we all know about Peyton. O'Brien is a guy who just... Seth Wickersham's book, there was, you know, talk about O'Brien, possibly the crafts, possibly trying to get O'Brien in their back pocket in case Bill Belichick belt, uh, bolted during the whole Tom Brady stuff. Right. And then Brian Flores, of course, was here, very successful, blackhead coach, who I, I think uh, would be of significance to the crafts. So I think you combine all those things together. And you could sort of see why now the close of this season has become so important in this franchise's history.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making
0: across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The timing makes sense uh, when, you, when you think about, as you just mentioned, who's available. And, and I'll add another link to this kind of tying in your, your, your last point about Belichick in the three major L's with Mac Jones and and how this offense has regressed. Number one, Bill O'Brien has a history with Mac Jones understands Mac Jones. Um, It would, it would rather, you know, it'd be rather obvious as to how that relationship could, could possibly work because of, of the offensive system uh, that, that they've worked, you know, obviously Bill, Uh, being the OC at Alabama and Mac being there prior uh, to his, to his drafting by the Patriots. And also let's not forget Sean Payton in new Orleans, big time rumors. And it's been reported and there really wasn't any pushback to this. The idea that Sean Payton wanted to move up in the draft to draft Mac Jones because he thought that he was kind of the perfect quarterback for his system. So If you're the crafts and you're trying to and you're thinking of moving on from Belichick and you're thinking Mac Jones is our QB one, which you should still be thinking, folks, if you're thinking that. It's rather obvious and it makes all the sense in the world why Bill O'Brien and Sean Payton would be at the top of your list, because then you could marry your head coach with your quarterback and try to get things right and fix that young man. So you have a quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Last question about this, um the players what do you think's going on do 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 they have any any idea? do they have a kind of a, a sixth sense when it comes to coaches maybe being in trouble and and could that impact their play in, in any kind of way? look
2: um you know you would love to say that players are robots and they're gonna try their hardest and and all this stuff um you know I've been around some teams, mostly actually just with the Dolphins. Um, I was there. I covered Dave Wonstadt's final season when he got fired during the season, replaced by Jim Bates. I was there for the end of Nick Saban. Um, uh, players players know, and I'm sure it's different. I mean, it's Bill Belichick. They're probably not really thinking about it, but, you know, I'll just say, and and I know nothing about this, and I'm not saying any players are doing this, but it's just from my experience covering the league in these situations, I think players do r- realize some things and, you know, could there be some chatter around uh, among them, especially on this road trip? Um, I, that's why I think the Cardinals game is big because if they lose this game and then they're all together for a week out in Arizona practicing before the Raiders game, do so they start talking about like, you know, uh, do we really want this to continue and, and, and stuff like that. So, but here's the thing. My prediction is none of this happens. My prediction at the end of the day, even though I do think this is a precarious time, I think they beat the Cardinals. I think the Patriots find a way to have a decent end of the season. You know, could be eight and nine, could be nine and eight. Um, And I think that Belichick is no idiot. He's honest about his team. And I think he's proactive to Robert Kraft after the season saying, look, Robert, I made a mistake here. Um, I own it. It's my fault. Don't blame Matt. Don't blame Joe. This is on me. This is how I'm going to fix it. I've already reached out to Bill O'Brien or somebody. And again, I'm not saying this has happened. There's been no contact among anybody or anything. Um, But I think he'll be proactive and I think he will continue on here as Patriots coach. But you you can see how this game on Monday night is sort of the swing game. If they go on national television and lose again, because I think they've lost, including the playoffs last year, I think they've lost five straight primetime games, at least four Ugh. during the regular season. They haven't been close in a lot of them. If they, are, if they lose to this Cardinals team, which is a freaking three-ring circus on Monday night,
1: things could get iffy. Before we get into that game, I, I would also add that, you know, Belichick has to feel like his legacy is on the line. Uh, at, at least to a point to some people. I don't believe that. Like, I believe he is the greatest coach that we've seen. I believe he's, you know, his legacy is is solidified. But to him, you don't want to go out that way. Like, you don't want to go out with a seven-win team, an eight-win team. You, you don't want to hobble to the finish line after what you've accomplished throughout your career. I still think he wants to prove to people that, you know, he's not a, a, he's not a result of Tom Brady and, and Tom Brady's greatness. And so if anybody has a lot invested in this, it's Bill Belichick. So I would just have to imagine that he, unless he's totally blinded by Matt Patricia Love and the pencil in his ear and, you know, Joe Judge standing there doing, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I know he's quarterback's coach. I I don't know. How's he helping Mac Jones as his mechanics go south and he's not playing well? I've got to imagine that Bill's like, I got to fix this. Like, I, this is a mess. Like, it, we all see the mess. He has to see the mess. No matter what he says publicly, he has to see the mess. He has to understand it's a debacle. He has to understand that things, and I'm talking big things, need to have some dramatic changes in this offseason. I agree with you about the team. I agree with you that Belichick will go to RKK because. I mean, I just don't know how he doesn't. All right, before going to the uh, Cardinals game, talking about that coming up on Monday night, let's talk about Athletic Greens.
2: I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. I I hated buying all those bottles and pills. Now I've been on it for five months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is huge during the winter months for those of us in New England in the darkness, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. And that is, again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: Tell me about the Cardinals, Greg.
2: So uh, the Cardinals, I don't know if you've watched any of the uh, in-season hard knocks. I I have caught up. I was very bummed that there was not another episode last night, so I could sort of (laughs) see like a Patriots preview or whatnot. But yeah. Look, this team has been a mess this season as far as uh, a quarterback with his extension and, you know, the the thing in his contract about studying to uh, injuries to, I mean, even Kyler Murray had an injury where he was out for a couple of weeks. Colt McCoy comes in, leads them to their only win in the last five games uh, against the crap ass Rams team. Um <laughs> they have lost. They have lost four of five, and six of eight. Um, you know. But here's the thing. I mean, they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins for a lot of the season. He was suspended. In another part of the circus that's there. Uh, I am no big Cliff Kingsbury fan. Watching Hard Knocks, he does not know how to command a room. But the thing is, what makes them dangerous is the talent on this team. They have talent all yeah. over the place. The offensive yep. line is very weak. But Hopkins, Murray is the type of quarterback that gets running around and, and drives the Patriots crazy. Um, you know, Christian Kirk, at wide receiver. You got the, the running backs pretty good. James Conner. Uh, Buda Baker at safety is really good. Um, you know, they, they have talent. The Simmons kid was a top pick. Uh, even though he's gotten benched at times this year. J.J. Watts on the line. Marcus Golden rushing the passer. zaven Collins is a young linebacker who a lot of people liked for the Patriots as an athletic type. Uh, A.J. Green can pop a, a play every now and again. Uh, Hollywood Brown's back. He's only been back at wide receiver for a couple of weeks. So, excuse me, not Christian Kirk. He went to the Jaguars. Uh, yeah. I, I meant Hollywood Brown. Yes. Um, who they traded for from the Rams uh, Ravens to to replace him. So um, this team is all over the place. You don't know what to expect, but they score points. And we know how the Patriots have trouble with teams who score points and mobile quarterbacks. So to me, this is a troublesome matchup for the Patriots. And, you know, they better be on point in this game or else it could be a long night in the desert.
1: Big part of this game, according to uh, the reports today at practice, this both your tackles are not practicing today Jacoby Myers is not practicing today we know Davian Harris is likely going to be out for a a little while at least the way he looked when he was leaving the game a couple weeks ago so injuries are going to play a role Uh, Greg kind of broke down offensively for you you know what they do they're not good on third down they're one of the worst teams in the league third down offensively so I feel like if the Patriots defense can kind of mind their P's and Q's on first and second down and give them, you know, third, medium, third and long, it could be a tough day for this offense uh, for, for Arizona. There is the Andre Hopkins element to this. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs has they've absolutely pooped on you on national television the last two weeks. So uh, how do you, how do you have any confidence that they'll slow Hopkins down? I don't, uh, I would imagine and, he'd have a Mills, pretty good game. Jalen Mills isn't practicing today either. Yeah. Then Mills isn't practicing. That's another issue. So, yeah, I mean, another big game for Jonathan Jones. He's had, this will be his third in a row, uh, you know, when you look at the matchup and he's failed the first two times. Hopefully he passes this one. I would say, you know, the one thing that jumps out at me most of all about the Cardinals, aside from what you hit, Greg, was, you know, defensively, they've been bad. They've just been bad. And You know, I can give you the numbers third down they're They're a bottom five team on third down defense. Teams are converting 45% of their third downs against this defense. They are literally the worst red zone defense in football. Uh, They've, you know, the scoring percentage of opposing offenses in the red zone, almost 69%. Nice. Which is the worst in the league, uh, 68.89%. So the red zone defense has been trash, but of course, Patriots red zone offense—you guessed it—has been trash. So, which one, you know, which one is the trashiest of the trash on Monday night? I think could 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 tell us how this game uh, how this game ends up uh, finishing. Uh, with all of that in mind, Patriots right now uh, they are minus one when you look at uh, Bet Online over under is forty four. What do you
2: think? So, um, you know, a couple of other things people should know as far as DVOA, and people know I'm a big fan of that over at Football Outsiders. Um, overall, the Patriots are 12th in DVOA, and the Cardinals are 30th. They are 29th Oof. in offensive DVOA, and they are 24th in defensive DVOA. Wow, their uh, defensive DVOA so- is better than their offensive DVOA. My goodness. Yeah, and their special teams is 28th in DVOA. So, I mean, according, according <laughs> to advanced analytics, the Patriots should win this game in a walk. I just, you know, between uh, the the injury issues on the offensive line, so not only is Trent Brown, and, you know, but that's probably still an illness. We haven't gotten the injury report yet, probably still an in- illness that's lingering. So you hope that he's going to be back. We'll see what kind of stamina he he has after the illness. Um you know Isaiah Wynn is not practicing yet, um, and also Marcus Cannon, who's eligible to come off IR, um, it w- was not spotted at practice. So right now the two tackles out at practice, your only two quote unquote tackles are Yadni Kajust mm-hmm. and Connor McDermott. Um, Ugh, I would hope I just after sick. I know if this continues like this way with maybe Brown not being available. Like, and I would hope after last week that they take a, with a longer time to sort of sit and look at this stuff and get people prepared, um, you know, with the mini bye, even though the Cardinals are coming off a full bye week. That's another factor in this. I would hope that they would look at, you know, putting a Wenu at right tackle and putting like Ference at right guard. Like, you know, at least give people who, you know, have been here, who know the offense, who have been here longer than like three days, like put them on the line, give Mac Jones a chance. And the Cardinals are one of the highest blitzing teams in the league. And they have athletes. Like, they're going to come, and, you know, it's not like the Patriots are clean with that stuff. And, and you know, I do worry about Jalen Mills as their tallest cornerback and him being out again if that holds true. You know, Hopkins is big. He's got long arms, huge hands. You know, that's a tough matchup for the uh, the Patriots' Lilliputians left in the defensive backfield without um, – <laughs> Jalen Mills, as we've seen the past couple of weeks, even though Stefan Diggs isn't a big, huge guy, but Hopkins is a big physical presence. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a scary matchup, but you know, the way I see this, Nick, I got to look, I don't feel good about this. And usually when I go against my gut, it's bad, but I'm going to, I'm going to push back against my own storyline. I think that, I think that Belichick, um, I think that Belichick has the better team. I think he figures things out. I think they're better on offense against this defense, and I do think they score enough points, and the Cardinals turn it over enough, be stupid enough with Kingsbury, uh, that I think the Patriots win, and I'm going to make it a close one. I'm going to say Patriots win 27-24.
1: So I think we're at the point of the season where it's like, at least for me, I don't feel good about any prediction now. I mean, what, like I, I think you're nine and I think you're nine and three and I'm 10 and two. So we've done pretty damn good this year. And really when you look back at it, the only game that surprised me was Chicago. Um, other than that, nothing really has surprised me so far um, as far as like results go, the Mac Jones and the offense being as bad as it was last week might've been somewhat surprising, but yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way about you look that that you do. Like when, when you look at the, the, the injuries, who knows, like if you tell me they're out the the top two tackles and, and, you know, Myers can't go and all this stuff said so it might make me lean towards Arizona, but I, I've got the Patriots too. I just think Arizona is not a good football team. I, I think you could argue, you could debate that they are literally one of the three or four worst teams in the league. And um, this is a big one. You know, you've you've had some extra time to get your ish right after getting you know dominated by Buffalo. Big game for Belichick. Big game for this team. Uh, I have zero confidence in Matt Patricia, but uh, hopefully they do enough offensively to to come out and, and win this game. I just don't think Arizona's good. So uh, uh, I'll say twenty three seventeen. Before we get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day. Uh, let's talk about Bet Online, our friends at uh, good old betonline.ag. Bet Online remains your number
2: one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game treads at Bet Online. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your rewards. Bet online where
1: the game starts boston com, fantastic coverage here from john corrales and sean mcadam connor ryan of course our guy greg uh you can sign up 39.99 annual plan not too expensive i would say it's right around christmas time so if you want to hook somebody up do that again 39.99 on the annual plan and you got you know you got the chats with greg you've got greg breaking down film all sorts of, of great stuff at boston sports journal uh what is the bsj member question of the day greg
2: yeah, let me just ask the add that uh, I just did a chat the other day. Normally, I do them on Fridays, but I did one on Wednesday this week. You know, with the the weirdo game last week, and I must have had yeah. ninety questions in my chat. I think I was at it for about three hours. Um, you get that every week, and I answer every single question, even if they're the questions aren't so bright which never happens because our members are are, and and if you're interested in the best way to support bsj whether you're a member or not a member fan of the pod want to support bsj is to buy a gift subscription and give it to somebody during the holiday season so go check that out over there so the member question this is sort of cold from a bunch of people because i got this a bunch in the chat which is basically like why not Baker Mayfield? And what about John Robinson coming back? So Baker Mayfield, of course, was released by the Panthers. Somebody asked me in the chat, they said, is Baker Mayfield better than Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer? And if so, why wouldn't you bring him here? Uh, Yes, he is. He is better than uh, both of those players. But here's the thing. His film was awful this year and you also have sort of the, and this is the most important evaluation. This is why you keep Bailey Zappi and or Brian Hoyer over a Baker Mayfield. It's the intangibles. Like what kind of leader is he? You know, what kind of worker is he? There's a lot of questions about that with Baker Mayfield. I think, yes, I think there there were rumors around the time when he went in the draft about the Patriots possibly trading up for Baker Mayfield. Do I think Josh yeah. McDaniels liked yep. the physical talent and all that? Yes, but I think now that you have much more information on him, I don't think the Patriots would touch him with a 10-foot pole. And plus, what is that saying to Mac Jones, and how does that affect Mac Jones? There's all that discussion. Right. And as far as John Robinson, uh, former Patriots personnel guy, j- surprise firing in in Nashville with the Titans as GM after you know they're on their way to I think their fourth or fifth straight first-place finish in the AFC South. Uh, a team that was the number one seed last year, uh, you know, has been pretty good this year, with even with injury issues. Um, do I think he could come back? Um, yes, but I think it's a situation that, first of all, I don't think he's coming in over macro. Bill doesn't really do that. Um, he made his decision. He's not going to go over the head of his guys. Um, I think it would, it would need to be the case of somebody – leaves like an Elliot Wolf or one of the other guys in the front office where, you know, you bring John Robinson back as like, you know, a senior assistant personnel guy or something like that. But I think it would take an opening because they have a pretty full house at this point and they really want to leave it up to, you know, it's Matt's show to run. And then, you know, on the pro side, he has Elliot there if he wants to use him. Um, So I, I
1: just don't see a space for him. That John Robinson firing was a heck of a thing. I mean, it's like, it it just seemed like it was, you know, so reactionary to what just happened. Like, uh, oh, so we traded A.J. Brown in the offseason and A.J. Brown has been all over social media. And, you know, he's talked a lot about the trade and how he wanted to stay in Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. And, And what ends up happening is, you know, A.J. Brown goes off against the Titans defense And meanwhile, the guy who you got to replace on trailing Burks, um, you know, he gets one catch for 25 yards, which was a touchdown, but then he gets banged up again. And it just seems like, like that one, that one decision, they lost the game. A.J. Brown went off and they're like, damn it. We should never traded him. Let's fire John Robinson. It's like, okay, I guess like that's, (laughs) I guess that's if That's what you want to do. And shout out to Mike Vrabel, who's, you know, somebody around Mike Vrabel got the word out that Vrabel did not want to trade A.J. Brown. So, Shout out to Mike for being able to handle the media. He got his side out there. Hey, look, I didn't want to trade him. He wanted to trade him. That's why he's out. We're seven and five. We're in first place. I'm still really good. Uh, I, I I love that part of the story too. Um, he is Greg. I am Nick. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, and and hopefully we have a win to talk about next week. Cardinals Patriots, Monday night, uh, again, athletic greens Bet online. Thanks for the uh, support. We'll be back next week to talk about the game and and see if uh, Greg and I are actually right if they do beat the Cardinals. Till then, be well.